Man, it is, it is always good to be with the people of God. If this is your first time here at the Brook, I just want to say welcome. My name is Pastor Jeremy. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. And I often say, man, I pray that the moment that you walked into this building, you felt the love of God in this house. And, you know, today was a, was a special Sunday. Um, not, not only because we had a special musical guest, but it was a special Sunday because you came. And I mean that. Because it's always good to be with God's people. But it's, it's also special because the group that was up here today was, is actually led by, by my brother, John, Johnny. John, can you raise your hand real quick? He, we're both Florida boys, but now we're in different, different places. He's, he's in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm in Chicago. And we're praying that he would come to Chicago. We sent them out to plant the church or something like that. Pray for that. I'd watch out for the Brooks prayers because they come true. Uh, well, also, also, um, I, I want to also acknowledge Pastor Jamal and Amber. I think Pastor Jamal might not be in the building. Um, they're, they're, they're pastors in Sojourn Church. Um, can we give them a hand clap? Can we give them a, bit of a hand clap? Can, can you raise your hand just so people can see you? Invite them. Give them a, a, a Brook welcome. We always want to honor our brothers and sisters, they're doing a, a fantastic work there in Louisville, Kentucky. I think it's in, what's the name of the neighborhood? Shelby Park. Um, if, if you ever want to go to Louisville, holler at my brother. He'll give you a place to stay. Um, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Maybe, maybe, in faith, in faith, in faith. But, but um, we just want to honor you guys and say thank you for being with us. They were, they were ministering at a, at a conference called the Legacy Conference. Many of you know um, about that conference, and they, they were so gracious uh, to come um, worship with us at the brook. Um, so we want to honor you guys. And after service, um, they're going to be selling their, their new EP. This is a shameless plug. Okay, I don't get 20%. I don't get nothing. I just, I just want to show some love, and we want all the CDs to go out. All right? Um, so if you could bless them, if, if, if you want to bless them, um, cop that CD, um, write a review on Google and Yelp and all of that. Um, and, and, or you could download it on Apple Music, all right? So with that being said, um, we, we're going to pick up in our series called Becoming One, Becoming One. And, and the tagline is God's remedy for the self-centered life. In, in, in our culture, in our day, um, something has happened. It's always been happening. And it's that men has tried, men and women have tried to govern their own lives. We all struggle with self-centeredness. But God's design is for us to become one as a church, to be one body under one Lord, with one heart, one mission. Um, but as I said last week, it's really hard to do that sometimes because it takes vulnerability, right? It takes being authentic, letting your hair down. And it also uh, means we, we have to collaborate together in order to become one. And I also said that self-centeredness leads us down an ugly road, an ugly road of emptiness, of regret, of shame, and ultimately complete isolation. And many of us, we don't know how to get out of that isolation. And maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I've been walking with Jesus for a while. Or maybe you're here today, you're like, man, I don't really know what it means to walk with Jesus, but this is my first time here at a church. I don't exactly know what I'm doing. But maybe what's common to all of us is that you might feel spiritually dry, disconnected from God. You feel like, man, is there a God out there? Is he here? Does he speak? What does he say? What does he have to say about my bills? 
What does he have to say about my kids that, you know, it seems like they're in rebellion. What, what, is, what does God have to say about my marriage, my relationship, my singleness? And you just feel like you're completely disconnected from God. You might even question, man, is there a God? Is he here? Spiritually dry. And I think about being spiritually dry, or when I think about being spiritually dry, I think about when I was in college, I went to a, to a school downtown called the Moody Bible Institute. So it's a, it's a pretty well-known um, Bible college in the country. And here I was, it was my first year in college, and I just remember, man, I felt like I was not a Christian. I felt like, man, I'm struggling with so much sin in my life. I'm here in this Bible college trying to learn what it means to be a pastor. And, man, I don't even know if I know God. And this was shameful for, for me because I came from an environment where I felt like I was a leader. Like, man, I'm leading people in these Bible studies. And, and here I am in this Bible college struggling with lust in my heart. I'm struggling with a deep hurt from my church past. And I'm like, God, I don't even know if I know you. Maybe I should just walk away completely. Maybe that'd be better. I was disconnected from God altogether. Empty. You know, if you've been part of any church or been walking with God for a while, you'll see, man, sometimes hurt comes from the people that you thought would have your back the most. In the church. And this is a strategy from Satan because Satan knows that when we become one church family, not only is it a remedy for the symptoms of self-centeredness, but it's also one of the primary ways that we make God known. So today I want to talk to you about becoming one through our unity. And if you'll meet me in Psalm 133, if you don't have a Bible Um, There's a Bible in front of you underneath your seat. And Psalm 133 is probably midway through your Bible, and it's on page 519 in that Bible. You can go on your device. Just don't go on Facebook, Instagram, unless you're going to snap me, but I don't have a Snapchat. We're going to be in Psalm 133, and we're going to see what God has to say about this idea of becoming one um, through our unity. And if you can rise to your feet if you're able to, Please do so at this time. Written by King David, an ancient king in Israel. Psalm 133. He says this, or this is what the Holy Spirit says. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell You want to underline this, circle this, highlight, whatever you got to do when brothers dwell in unity. It's like precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there, the Lord has commanded the blessing. Life forever more. Pray with me. God, I just thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, we thank you, God, that we were able to sing great songs to you, Lord. We thank you that you spoke to us through those songs. We thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in our lives. 
God, but at this moment, Lord, we need a word from you. God, many of us feel spiritually dry, disconnected from you, Lord. We feel the, the, the weight of our sin, the shame of our failure before you, God. Lord, we feel the weight of our bills, Lord. Some of our air conditionings broke down, Lord, and it's hot. God, and we're just asking you for a word today. God, so I just pray for my brothers and sisters. I even pray for myself, God, this moment. I pray that you would meet with us, oh God, in the power of your Holy Spirit. And give us rest, we ask. That you would give us peace and that you would be glorified. Let the meditations of my heart and the words that I speak be pleasing to you, oh God. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. So if we're talking about becoming one and God's remedy in becoming one is becoming unified as a local church, I want to specifically uh, speak to the brook. If you call the the brook your home, and and if you don't call the brook your home, we want to invite you to call um, the brook your home just, just for today at least. And maybe you'll stay if you don't have a local church. But as we talk about unity as the brook, the first question that we look at in this text is, what is significant about you being unified in the church? What's significant about you being unified? You know, in the United States, it's so easy to treat church as something that you just come to on Sunday. It's a time where we just hear a, an amazing speaker that's half Ecuadorian, half Salvadorian. No, I just think. Hear some great songs, and then we kind of just check out, and, and it seems like we're disconnected from, from the local church. And that's not the way that God designed things to be. So if we're going to be unified in all of life, we need to know what's significant about it. And what's significant about the unity of the brook is that the unity of the brook is a blessing. And we see that in verse 1. If you look at verse 1, he says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Good and pleasant. You see that? You see that frame? That's, that's, that's a, a code word for blessing. What King David is saying is when brothers and sisters come together, it's a blessing from God. What's a blessing? A blessing means that something or an object or someone has the favor of God on their lives. When God created the universe in chapter 1, God, in, in the first three days, he, he created, he formed the earth, the universe, Mount Kilimanjaro. He, he created the rivers. He created the Nile. But then in the last three days, he filled the earth. And then on the seventh day, he rested. But it's interesting, after God looked at all of his design, and God is like the dopest designer you'll ever know. In, 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 the, in the Jeremy Standard Version, it says that he looked back, he was like, yo, I'm pretty magnify. And he said, man, this is very, very good. He's like, man, this is very, very good. And the apex of that was a person that he created, this man named Adam. And it's interesting that he said that it was all good. But in chapter 2, it goes a little bit deeper. And it says that before he created his counterpart, his wife, Eve, he said, it's not good. It's not good that he is alone. You see, it's bigger than, than just a marriage. Now, I know some of us are waiting for that blessing, and that's okay. Keep waiting. I want to walk with you in that. But more than that, he's, he's really giving this illusion to it's not good for man to be without companionship, partnership in what I've called him to do. It's not good. It's not good for 
this person to be isolated, out of community. It's not good. It's not good. And that was even before sin entered the world. So imagine that. So God creates this this beautiful woman, and and the first song ever made was a love song. Adam looks at his wife. He's like, man, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. He's like, hey! The way my wife looked at me when we, no, I'm just like, But God says this is good. It's good to be in community with one another. It's not good to be isolated. It's a blessing when we could be united. But in the text, look at verse 1. He says, how good and pleasant it is when brothers, you see that? Brothers dwell in unity. And this is not just a reference to men. It's, it's, it's a collective. It's in a collective sense. Brothers and sisters. It's good when brothers and sisters are unified. It's a blessing. What makes us family in God's sight? What makes us family in God's sight is two things in common. One is that all of us have disobeyed from God's word and have rejected a relationship with God. Each and every one of us. But what also makes us family is if you believe that Jesus died for your failure in obeying God's word and rejecting a relationship with him, and you believe that he rose from the grave, and you are invited into the family of God. So what makes us family is our stay outside of God, isolated from God, and our belief in what God did for us to be connected with him, to be in relationship with him. But aside from that, y'all know that it's really difficult to be united. Sometimes we could have common belief. We could even have a common understanding of ourselves before God, but it could be so, so difficult to be unified with that brother and sister in the local church when they don't talk like you. They might annoy you. They don't sing like you. Maybe they sing out of tune. Maybe they're all up in your business. They text you all the time. Or maybe, maybe it's, it's, it's that person, that brother or sister that never calls you back. You, I mean, you, you, you text them, you call them, and it's like, man, I just, I'm, I'm trying to do my job, but it just feels like, like we're, not, we're not really family in this thing. I mean, we, we believe in the same faith. We, we were both isolated from God. We even have similar stories, but something's just not clicking. The text says, it's beautiful, it's good and pleasant when brothers... Dwell in unity. So that means we got to work, y'all. We got to work to be unified. We don't have to work to be in the family of God. All we need to do is believe in what Jesus did for us, but we need to really check ourselves if we're going to be unified, if we're going to become one. And you know, this text is, is really good because I like how he says, it's good and pleasant when brothers, meaning that there's occasions where we might not be always unified on everything. And in this text, if you know anything about ancient Israel, you know that their disunity, their splits in kingdoms and all of that, I mean, was a huge point of contention that made you feel like, man, even though we might have the same ancestry, even though we might believe in the same God, man, I'm just not rocking with you. I'm just not doing it. And if you look at the New Testament, you see the same thing. 
two different people just having these issues, just trying to figure out what it means to walk with God. But here, the psalmist, King David, he's saying it's good and pleasant as a celebration. How do I know this is a celebration? Because if you look at on top of Psalm 133, you see that? It says a song of ascent of David. And bigger than just a shout out to David, a song of ascent was a song that the people of Israel, they would, they would sing on their way to Jerusalem. See, the Israelites, they disobeyed God, so God scattered them throughout the, the world. And they, they would come during these festivals to Jerusalem up this mountain called Zion. It's really not a mountain. It's actually a hill, but in the Bible, it calls it a mountain. And, and it says, and, and these Song of Ascents, they would, they would come together and on these, uh, this ascent up to the hills of Zion, where Jerusalem was, they would sing these songs. How good and pleasant it is to when brothers sing in unity, somebody would rap and do all of that. They would celebrate all of that. They would celebrate the blessing of unity. That might be difficult for us. So before we even celebrate, maybe we first have to understand that unity is not just for the destination, it's for the journey. Maybe we need to shift our perspective. Because they were walking up to Zion. Okay? And, and, And sometimes we think that just because we have eternal life, we think, man, that's just, that's the only thing that I'm going to celebrate with you. But God, I really believe, is calling us to celebrate this unity in the local church as we journey with him to our eternal destination. And then also, I think we need to ask the question, if we're going to be unified, what kind of blessing is unity? What's the quality of this blessing? We see this in verse 2 and verse 3. With unity is a kind of blessing that transforms spiritually dry ground. And as I said earlier in the morning, you might feel like, man, I'm, I'm spiritually disconnected from God. I'm dry right now. I don't really see God working in my life. Well, unity is the kind of blessing to change, change that, if you believe it. And we see that in verse, in verse 2. He says, it's like precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron. You might look at that and be like, man, that sounds really, really odd. He's talking about precious oil. He's talking about some dude's head. And he's talking about it running down on his beard. And it's running down on his robes. That, that dude, uh, he's, like, he's like that person in school that smells like masola. You know what I'm talking about? And they just look oily. You're like, I don't want to look like that. You know what I'm talking about, right? Okay. Latino parents, if you're you're not Latino, we'll tell you about that later. But see, in in, in the ancient context, in the ancient, some of y'all got that really well. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, in in this particular context, oil was a really, really expensive commodity. And it was a commodity that, that, that signified this idea of, un, of, of, excuse me, of healing. They would, they would put these oils on, on their bodies in order to, to help them heal their bodies. So they needed oil in that time. But more specifically, in ancient times, what, what, what they would do is they, they would come to worship in this place called the tabernacle. 
in ancient times. And in the tabernacle, there was only one person or, or a few people called priests that can enter the presence of God. And what they would do there is they would make sacrifices unto God. And what they would do there is they would go on behalf of the people of God in order to make things right with God for their failure. But in order for somebody to do that, they needed to be anointed with oil. And there would be these ceremonies where, where they would anoint the high priest with oil. And the first high priest was this man named Aaron. And they anointed him. And, and, and when they would anoint him, it signified to the people of God, this person is set apart to serve God on our behalf. He's the one that God appointed to, to make us right when we bring our sin. So what he's saying is that unity is the kind of blessing that heals you and me of our shame and Unity is the type of blessing that displays that we are set apart by God to be restored. Meaning that if me and you are unified or to the degree that we work to be unified with one another with the various things that we really struggle with, God will use that to heal our story. I love how in the text it says it's like precious oil running down from his head all the way down to his beard and onto his robe. Saying like, man, this person is completely set apart to be a healer. Man, what if our church was identified, distinguished in our community as people set apart, healed, in a healing process. And people see us and say, man, these people are God-ordained to be in this neighborhood, to be in our family, to help us heal. So it's the kind of blessing that identifies that God has set us apart to heal, but more specifically, it's the type of blessing that is life-giving, that extends that healing in a way that changes things from death to life. He says it's like the death, is, excuse me, it's like the dew of Hermon in verse 3, which falls on the mountains of Zion. Hermon is this mountain north of Jerusalem, even still to this day. And if you know anything about Jerusalem, you know that Jerusalem and, and Israel is, is desert land meaning that it's difficult to come by water. There's only a specific time in the year where water is available. So they have to, they have to, they have to work hard to, to, to irrigate that water throughout the year. And it's in the summer. But the interesting thing is that the way that they do this is through this mountain called Hermon. I wish I had a picture of this. North of Jerusalem. In Hermon, there's this, there's this dew that sits on top. There's, there's even snow that sits on top of this mountain. And what they would do is, when it rains or when it snows, that water that was, that was on the mountain, it would fall down Hermon and go through this, through, this, through this river called the Jordan River and all the way into the Dead Sea. 
And, and, and they, would, they, they would use this water channel in order to water this desert land and to irrigate and to supply and to, to retain. So saying that from a desert land, when you look up to Hermon, you see life up there. You see, man, we, we can actually get sustainment right there in Hermon. Hermon is helping us out down here. Because down here, it's a little dry. I, it's, I'm thirsty. And my, and my family needs food, and so we need water to prepare that food. Hermon's right there. And thank God for Herman, because God uses Herman in order to water all of us down here. This place where God said is consecrated, this hill called Zion, where the presence of God dwells, Herman. And this is why in the text, he says, for there, and he's talking about Zion, the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore so unity is the kind of blessing that gives us life when we feel like we're spiritually dead unity is the type of function that will transform your spiritual shame transform your doubt Transform your struggle with sin in a way that will heal you into the presence of God. So this sounds very, very figurative. So I, I, think, I think we need to we need to get a little bit more specific in how can we attain this type of unity? What does it look like to actually be watered by God in our spiritual dryness? How do we do this? Well, if we look at this text, we also have to consider the work of Jesus. And the unity of the brook specifically is strengthened when you align, when you allow your church family to water your spiritual dryness with the work of Jesus. Spiritual dryness requires faith in the anointed one who waters, which is Jesus. See, Jesus was a prophet. He spoke on behalf of God, but he was God. Jesus was a priest that would bring people to God through his work, but he was also God. So we believe in a Trinitarian God. And then Jesus was also a king. And I want to sit there for a second because a king, too, needed to be anointed. In order for a king to be anointed, the priest in, in the nation of Israel needed to take that same oil that he was anointed with. And in this ceremony, he needed to anoint the king in front of the assembly of God's people to say, this is God's man. And you see, God, Jesus, he was anointed by the Holy Spirit, God's spirit. If, if you read his biographies in the Gospels, you see how the Spirit of God anointed Jesus and filled him to do the works of God, him being God. And it says that he would perform mighty works that would cause a lot of controversy. And if you look at John chapter 7, you'll see that there's this festival called the Festival of Booths. And this is a time where, where people would commemorate 
the, the, this, this season in, in the life of, of the nation of Israel where they remembered what God had did for them and, and when they were slaves in Egypt. And they would camp out in these booths during this rainy season. And what would happen is that, that the high priest of that time, he would, he would take this, this bowl, he would take some water from, 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 this, from this body of water called Silo, and then he would take that water, go into the temple, and on the altar where they would sacrifice these animals, he would pour it out on the altar. And it was a symbol to say that God, knowledge of God would spread out through all the earth from Jerusalem. And in John 7:37 it says on the last day of the feast the great day Jesus stood up in the temple and cried out if anyone thirst let him come to me and drink whoever believes in me as the scripture has said out of his heart will flow rivers of living water what he's saying is if you believe in me if you can restore your faith in me and what I have done, then I will restore you from your spiritual dryness. But the writer John, he clues us into what Jesus was really talking about. He says, now he said this about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And what John is saying is that when Jesus said this, it was before he went on the cross. So what he's saying is that before Jesus went on the cross, Jesus was saying, hey, the Spirit of God is going to be sent on you if you believe in me. And out of you, my, my spirit will flow out of you. My healing power will flow out of you into the world. I am the water of life. You don't need to pour out that water on the sacrifice because Jesus is saying, I am the sacrifice. I am the one who took your sin. I am the one who took your shame. I am the one who took your guilt. I am the sacrifice. And if you come to me and if you believe that I took your sin on that cross, I will send my spirit on you to continue to heal and restore people in my name. So, how do we attain this unity? The way that we attain this unity is by believing that Jesus is the answer to your shame. By believing that Jesus took the penalty for your sin, your failure. But I know what you might be thinking. You're like, man, but I, I do that every, every day in my house, and it just seems like the, the problem is just not getting better. I'm frustrated. I'm struggling with this brother and sister. I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated with my pornography addiction. I'm frustrated with my bitterness. I'm frustrated with my family. I'm just frustrated with this situation. And I'm trying to believe that Jesus will heal me. And I believe that he can. Maybe you're there today. The answer to that is when you go to that person who submitted to the work of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
when you go to your brother and your sister who knows Jesus and you know they know the word of God, they, you see that they have been identified and set apart by God in your situation to intervene. Unity happens in your spiritual dryness when you are able to confront your spiritual dryness with making it known to somebody who you know has been set apart to help restore you. And how do you know that? When you see that that person knows the word of God, lives by the word of God because the spirit of God works through God's word and is willing to, to share that with you. So, see that being unified is a blessing. We see that it's, a, it's the kind of blessing that, that overflows. And we see that we do that by our faith in what Jesus did on the cross and how that overcomes any situation and by bringing that to your brother and sister who you identified by word, by their time in the word, by the way that they're, they're, they're formed by their word to come heal you. But why is this important? Because if we're honest, many times we are extremely self-centered. We're like, that, it, that don't even matter. I don't even want that. Why is that important? I was thinking about this. When, when cooking arroz con candules. If you don't know what arroz con candules is, I love arroz con candules, by the way. It's, 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 it's a special type of rice. It's, it's from heaven. Um, <laughs> given to this, 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 uh, this island called Puerto Rico. And, and you, need a, you need the healing anointing of God from your Puerto Rican brother and sister. A lot here, if you don't know. It's a, it's a special type of rice. It's a special type of rice. And, and I've, I've had the privilege of making it a few times. And we are con gandules. The trick to, to making it is you, you got to get the oil and the water right. It's all about how you cook those things together. But you see, the, the way you cook this, this special rice, you, you have to use this thing called sofrito. So, so, sofrito is this heavily, it's this heavily way of making um, vegetables. You just cook it. You put a lot of oil in it. You cook it. You, you, I mean, I don't exactly know how they do it. You got to be a, a high priest of, of sofrito to do it. But you put sofrito together with water, and you put this oil together with rice, and you put this special type of pigeon bean together, and you just let it sit and simmer. But see, what happens is when you're cooking this arroz con candules, if you're, if you're anywhere in the vicinity... You start smelling it if it's cooked well. And you're like, oh, oh glory. That's what's, what's over there. It, it, it almost becomes this, this foretaste of what's to come. When you start smelling that arroz con candules, and you smell the way that oil and that water and that sofrito is coming together, and the way that that oil and that water is cooking that sofrito, and you smell that, it almost makes you just want to walk toward that arroz con gandules and say, man, can I just get a little bit of that sofrito real quick? It becomes a foretaste to what's to come. You can't, you can't but wait to eat that heavenly food. Okay. 
God has a kingdom. And God may have made you oil and me water. Or maybe I'm your water and you're my oil. But I'm just telling you today that God has given us his spirit through the work of Jesus Christ who died on the cross and rose from the grave. And when we submit to Jesus and we believe in him in the spirit's work through his word, God cooks us up. God cooks us up in a way that it might, it might not look pretty at first. People might even say, man, I don't even know how that comes even together. I don't even know how you get together with this person. But when the Holy Spirit is cooking us up, and sometimes it's through fire, it's through the pot of fire that God has to cook us up. And it might not look pretty, but then when we actually do the work, we start smelling good. We start becoming a foretaste of the kingdom of God. This great kingdom where God sits on the throne, where God will heal us, where it says by the power of his word, God will heal us, that we never have to look to our shame. We don't need to look to our guilt because God has cooked us up under the power of his Holy Spirit through our unity. So church family, the message today for us, is that when we are internally unified, we see the external work of God in the world. When the world sees our internal unity, they look at us and see God. That only God can do that. Only God can make people who are oil and water come together. And we become like Hermes. So church family, can we become hermit today? Are you willing to let the Holy Spirit work on your heart? Are you willing to allow Jesus to do some surgical work on your hurt? I'm going to ask the the musicians to come up this time. I'm going to pray for you in a second. I'm also going to ask the the prayer counselors to come up. I want to talk to... Some people, maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I, I, I want this Jesus. I've been, I've been tasting the, 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 the aroma of Jesus, the foretaste of Jesus. Every time I, I, I'm in, in community with people at the brook, but I actually want to experience Jesus for myself. I, I want to invite you to come up and pray with one of our counselors this morning and ask them what it means to walk with Jesus what it means to walk in the community, the church of God, the brook. Or maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I've been really struggling with my faith. I've been really struggling with with my time even here at the brook. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm hurt. Some things happen to me and I I just need some restoration. If that's you here today, I want to ask you to take a step of faith and come and pray with one of our prayer counselors. There, there, there's power when we pray together. We want to invite you to do that this morning. And for the rest of us, I'm going to ask you to rise to your feet at this moment.